0: So, Michaela, you know that dog that you've got that keeps consuming your Havianas, your very expensive Havianas and uh, furniture items and everything? What do you reckon the financial total of the uh, destruction is at now?
1: Well, actually, so in, it has a our leather lounge. Um, three pairs of Havianas, which are $20 <laughs> each. Um, a pair of $100 brand-new shoes, clothes, trophies
0: yeah, oh, this thing sounds like... Rugs.
1: So, and including the new second-hand couch we got just so we could have it. It's actually gone through three couches, the two couches at the front and <laughs> the lounge room and at the back. It'd be well over two grand.
0: And, and how much... What sort of dog is this?
1: Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's One, a thing. Yeah, and we got it, you know, well, Santa saved it because it was it little abused little puppy and it was all crouched in the corner, all scared. And we thought, oh, look, we're giving this lovely little dog a home. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> oh, we good?
0: So you could have, like for two grand, you could have had like some pedigree, well-trained... Kavoodle, Litsu or some bloomin' thing.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I'm just...
0: And you've got the weapon of mass destruction.
1: I've never seen anything... <coughs> what eats trophies? But hang like, on, seriously. hang
0: on. Seriously. So Santa brought the dog. That means you've had it for, for like five or something months now. Yeah. And you've still got it? Yes. And, well, and we could has dunk it like... Has he threatened any like physical... I have
1: had to physically <laughs> run around the house and hide the dog after it chewed our very expensive couches and then his other two couches on his verandas and... Oh, this, this he, dog
0: has a very short life. He even like
1: chewed it. his beer carton the other day. Oh, like, don't, don't touch the man's beer carton. And all the, cart- the carton's gone and all the <laughs> cans are just there. Like this thing just won't stop eating and we try and give it toys. Nothing works.
0: If anybody's looking for a dog, free to a good home. Welcome to the Tradies Business Show. Helping you get off the tools and into true business ownership, so you can spend more time doing the things that matter most. Now, here are your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark.
1: And welcome to another episode of the Tradies Business Show. And can I just say that after today's episode, Everything's just going to click into why the world works as it does. Can I just
0: say? Here we go. I knew as soon as we finished this interview with today's guest that my world was about to become very, very challenging, <laughs> especially hanging around with you.
1: So it's been confirmed by science uh-huh. that you boys can only do one thing at a time, that we're three to four times more perceptive, and we're you guys just don't listen. So everything that we've said for thousands of centuries has been confirmed in today's episode of the Tradies Business Show. What other podcasts can do that?
0: And I was quiet then because I was actually waiting my turn <laughs> to speak, unlike women who apparently it's okay to talk all over the top of you and that shows you that they're listening or some bloody crap. Bite.
1: We're multitasking.
0: Whatever, whatever. It's you call it whatever function. you like. See, there you go, talking over the top of me again. Just wait your turn. <laughs> Anyway, uh, great interview on uh, today's episode of the Tradies Business Show. Um, look, I uh, <clears throat> I talk about it in the interview but I read – Alan Pease's book called Body Language back in the early 90s, which uh, he tells the story of how the book came uh, into being and it was a long time before that. So Alan's been doing the body language thing for uh, a lot of years now, very experienced and uh, speaks all over the world and, and uh, you know, does work with large corporations and that sort of stuff. So I refer to him as Mr. Body Language. I don't know if that's the right title or not, but uh, it seems very fitting. So yeah, great um, great stuff in today's interview and um, he gives a lot of great tips that you can implement in your trade business right away. Uh, and so, you know, you can you, you should take notes and, uh, and go and do that stuff. And for members of the Tradies Business Toolkit, uh, we actually got Alan to stick around and share with us his three ways to basically get women to uh, feel more comfortable and buy because they tend to be making most of the decisions around the house, you know, when it comes to getting trades and that sort of stuff. So um, luckily... Uh, for men as tradespeople, <laughs> Alan shares his three uh, his three tips for getting women more engaged and uh, and making them more likely to actually choose you to do the work for them. So for just a buck, uh, go and join the Tradies Business Toolkit. Go to com, and um, you'll be able to join up for a dollar and get those three tips and, you know, um, Alan's got a new book coming out but there you go, you can get them for a dollar instead of for, for 20 bucks or whatever the <laughs> book is. <laughs> Sorry, Alan.
1: Ed, this, value, this episode's got heaps of value in it anyway and one thing, he goes gives a great case study of what's actually happening in his house at the moment with some trades and why he chose electrician that was twice the amount of any other trade and it's just a really good lesson for everyone out there wanting to build a business and build a brand.
0: Absolutely. And joining us today on the Tradies Business Show is uh, I'll refer to him as Mr. Body Language. I don't know if that's the right title but uh, we've got Alan Pease who he's authored more books than uh, I can possibly list but I have to say the uh, the one that started it all for me with this whole body language thing was a book called, strangely enough, Body Language originally written back in the 80s and I read it as a young sales rep trying to figure out why I wasn't winning more deals. So uh, welcome to the show, Alan.
2: Well, your body language, you know, the funny thing about that, Warwick, I I wrote that in 1976, the original book, and it was written for people who had to go face-to-face and convince and persuade, so there are a lot of marketing and sales type people. The bottom line is, is, as you know, that everybody is face-to-face. Our objective is to convince, persuade, get people to cooperate and say yes to what we want, so that's what it shows you how to do.
0: So your career in uh, body language, I guess, started quite some time ago, Alan, how did you... How did you come to write that first book back in the 70s? Well,
2: it's interesting. It started back in the 1950s, strangely enough, but my father was a life insurance salesman and back in the 50s, a life insurance salesman used to go door-to-door to collect the premiums every month and every quarter and hopefully that they use that as a form of prospect to sell some more insurance to the existing family or we'll hopefully meet the neighbours. That's how it worked. And so my father would take me out with him two or three nights a week after school because a lot of the people he was collecting from were women at home on their own. And if you had a five-year-old kid with you, you always got to get in and get a cup of tea, which gave you the chance to prospect and sell a bit more business. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, like a, I was like a sales tool, I guess. So I, I spent my just doing homework, I'd sit around tables watching my dad selling, and negotiating, and sussing people out. And he used to tell me in advance what he was going to do, what he'd say, and how he could predict what people's reactions might be to what he said. So I thought this was perfectly normal. So at an eleven-year-old, I'd got a job selling pots and pans. And right through my teenage I sold pots and pans to it as well. I was the king of pots and pans selling in Australia. And then in age nineteen I joined the life insurance business with my father. And uh twelve years in that And part of what I was teaching at that point in the late 60s was how to suss people out face to face, how to work out whether they're with you, against you, like you, don't like you, telling the truth, lying. And that was such a popular part of, of what I was doing in business that it became a standalone subject, which in 76 became the book called Body Language.
1: Yeah, and it has, um, you know, what's so great about it is the messages in the book are so relevant still today, you know, 30 plus years later, and especially when we're so much online now and there's the non-body language um, messaging is happening, but we need this even more now.
2: Well, well you're absolutely right on that, Michaela, because... I mean, I wrote the original book in 76. The new book's been out about 18 months now. The original book was 156 pages and it was classed as, as revolutionary and iconic for its era because nobody had ever seen anything like this before, the fact that you could look at a person and assess what they might be thinking and their attitudes by the way they were behaving in their body language. The latest book is, is 400 pages because not that there's new things that, that we're doing, that we know more about what we always knew because – Body language that you're using right now, and that every listener is using today, with people they interact with, is no different to what it was 100 years ago, a thousand years ago, or 10,000 years ago. Because speaking, what we're doing now, is is the new technique for communication, but it only makes up a very small part of face-to-face communication. 60 to 80 percent of all communication, face-to-face, is done with body language, non-verbally. And if you don't know how to read it, you don't really know what the other person's thinking or feeling.
0: And we've we've uh, I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat standing here listening to you, Alan, because uh, Macal and I are both standing up to record this interview. I know we've turned off the video, but we were both standing here with one foot out, one hand on uh, our hip. We were mirroring each other, and are both standing here in the uh, I think it's maybe a confident stance or something <laughs> as we're listening to you. So we both looked at each other across the studio and had a bit of a wry grin.
2: But well, one of the interesting things you see about people who, who work together well, those who are married, you see this in married couples a lot, or people in business or in personal life who get on really well, they, they're cohesive with each other, is that they stand, move and behave with the same gestures and positions, which is exactly what you've described. Because body language is an outward reflection of your emotional condition, it shows what you're feeling, whether you're feeling happy, sad, angry, confident, defeated, uh, in charge, uh, depressed it shows your emotional feeling so when people are feeling the same things and think therefore feeling the same thing and thinking the same things they stand using the same gestures movements and postures and this becomes a very powerful strategy if you want people to feel good about you really quickly and we know you've got up to 90% of the impression you're making is in the first four minutes of meeting a new person which means if you don't get that first four minutes right with someone you want to convince to get on site it's going to be a hell of a struggle for you to get get past them. So by intentionally mirroring somebody, by copying their behavior and body language, especially in that first four minutes, they get a, a quick feeling that <clears throat> there's something about you they kind of like. They don't know what to do. They just, they feel comfortable with you. And now when you first start to do this, with strangers, especially people you met for the first time and you're copying, you know, they move their hand, you move your hand, they stand on one foot, you stand on one foot. When you first start to do this, you feel like a real dork. You really do. You feel like you think, oh, they know what I they don't know what you're doing. They just get a feeling there's something about you they kind of like because those first impressions we make on people, where like you know you've met someone you kind of it, it, you feel comfortable with, you take to them very quickly. If we could analyse that in a video replay, you would see things that are taking place that is creating that and mirroring, which is what you guys are doing now, is one of those things you'll probably see and it's very powerful to get people to like you very quickly because if people like you. If they buy you another word, there's a good chance they'll buy what goes with you. Now, if they don't like you, don't feel comfortable and don't buy you, they'll look for reasons to say no to anything you've got to say, even if it's a good idea.
1: Oh, it's good to oh. hear you were a perfect match, Warwick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, I, I have to say, Alan, when I, when I did read your book, Body Language, back in the early 90s um, as a sales rep and I was looking for, I guess, techniques that could help me in a sales setting particularly... I must say the people that uh, and and um, you know I really uh, admire the sales manager I had at the time who actually gave me it's a hard cover it's sitting on the desk here in front of me yellow cover with uh, red writing um, for our listeners go and check out our Instagram accounts and uh, you'll see a picky of the book there but um, yes. people thought I was a crank they thought I was a weirdo uh, even in the nineties um, what's this body language stuff you know that's that's a load of crap Warwick that doesn't work you know what are you doing you try to mess with people's heads. Do, do you think, uh, I guess, the landscape has changed at all? Are people more open to this stuff these days, Alan?
2: Well, I think, yeah. First of all, you are a weirdo, Warwick. That's well known. <laughs>
0: yeah, that goes without saying, mate.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> when I wrote body language back in the seventies, nobody had ever heard of it before. Because you know, we created that—I created the word—and the way the word was created was the original title of that book was "The Language of Your Customers' Body," and there was too many words to fit on the page, so we just cut the words down The body language. Now it ended up. I love it. <laughs> And uh, when it first came out, people thought it had something to do with sex and there was a massage parlour called Body Language. I thought was- <laughs> You would oh, have made was- more money, mate. Yeah, well, they thought, <laughs> they thought it they had something to do with dancing. It was-, it was not understood and it wasn't really until the late 80s, early 90s that it really hit mainstream. Monash University in Australia set the book as a course and it was then became part of uh, anything to do with human communications. It went into marketing, sales, uh, public relations, anything where you were to meet people, it became part of it. And today, it's it's part of virtually every training anywhere educational-wise government business in the world. Whatever course you're doing today that involves people, which is all of them, uh, body language will be part of that teaching you how to suss people out because the bottom line, as I said before, whatever business you're in, whatever trade you're in, it's not about the tools, it's not about the work, it's not about the quality of what you do and all that's important and you've got to have it. It's first about how well people like you because if people like you, they feel comfortable and they feel trust that they will support you, and price is only a relevant thing when they don't like you. If somebody likes you and they feel comfortable, you might have a a higher price than your competitors in some particular thing you're quoting on. It doesn't matter. If they feel good about you and trust you and think you can do the job, you are more likely to get the job. They only go for price discounts when they don't like you or don't make a connection.
1: Great. So with some of our small business owners and tradies, what are some simple things that they can start to be aware of when they're meeting with potential clients?
2: Well, well, the first thing is is to keep in mind that 60 to 80% of all the impact you're going to make face-to-face is the way you look, appear and behave. And and secondly, that the other people, the new clients or the potential clients, form up to 90% of their impression in the first four minutes. So it's like, you know, it's like when you meet any person, within a couple of minutes you've decided whether you like them, whether you're going to give them a fair hearing or not. We all do that. We just decide whether we give them a fair hearing or in other four minutes. It doesn't matter what they say after that. If we don't really make a connection, we're we're looking for reasons to say no or to discount what they're saying. What should you look for? Well, the first thing is to make people feel comfortable. You can start by mirroring, which is what you guys were doing before. That is intentionally copying the gestures, movements, behavior, and speech pattern of the other people. Uh, and you will feel a bit awkward when you first start to do this. If you've never done it before, and most people haven't. But, but uh, people don't know that's what you're doing. And after a while, it becomes a natural, intuitive part of who you are. You start to do this without thinking about it. That makes you feel relaxed and comfortable. It makes others feel relaxed and comfortable. The second is to keep yourself open at all times. Don't do any sort of crossing of your body. Now arm crossing, holding hands with yourself in front of your zipper uh no uh, holding on handbags or any tools or anything you might grab on with two hands because when you put two hands in front of your body when you're talking with people, studies have shown very clearly that their belief in what you are saying starts to diminish. The retention of what you said is, is less. They can't remember much of what you said. And they get a feeling that maybe you're not as confident as you might be portraying. So keep yourself uncrossed at all times. Uh, When you shake hands, which is most likely to be on the case for most business encounters, as well as personal, that you keep your palm absolutely straight, vertical to the ground, not with the palm facing down, which is perceived as aggressive, not with the palm facing up, which is seen as submissive. And the important thing is, give the other person the same pressure that they give you. So with an intensity of, say, uh, 1 to 10, 10 being a very strong handshake, 1 being a very soft one, if your pressure was, say, 7 out of 10 that's your normal grip, you meet someone who's got a five, you've got to back off 20%, otherwise they're going to feel instinctively like you're a little bit pushy or coming on a bit heavy. And the reverse is true. If they've got an eight out of ten and you present them with a six, they're going to think, well, you're a bit wussy, a bit soft. <laughs> There's a number of reasons, both hardwiring and sociologically, why we make these decisions. But The bottom line is we make these decisions. It's a bit like, you know, if you meet someone and they present you with a dead fish, right, four, four breakfast sausages, how do you feel? <laughs>
0: I, uh that explains a lot for me, Alan. I'm going to have to firm up my grip, mate.
2: Yeah, well, you, you get those four breakfasts. You feel the squishy cold salmon flopping around your hand. <laughs> we make really negative determinations about the other person, which may or may not have substance in it, but the, the point is we make those decisions. We decide, oh, they're a bit wimpy, a bit soft, a bit wussy, which may be the case, but it may also not be the case. So what you do, keep your palm straight because palm down is perceived as aggressive, Instinctively palm up a seen is submissive you only have your palm up in a handshake if you're making an apology But keep it straight and give the same pressure that you receive And this is important for a lot of tradies because a lot of tradies, particularly males Which most tradespeople people uh, tend to be males, that is the tools hands on guys They have a much stronger handshake than the average person in the community mm-hmm. so You've got to be aware that you're not gripping the person's hand too hard But on the other hand they go soft, match the pressure and they'll, they'll feel quite comfortable Then you mirror
0: I remember a, a guy uh, who was a sales rep actually back uh, at the same company that I mentioned earlier and every time he shook hands with me, it was way harder than mine. Like he was he was a 12 on the pressure scale and he turned his palm down so aggressively that I almost had to like lie on the ground to shake his hand and he was a little bit older than me but he was behind everybody in the sales uh, targets. So. You know, I suspect that was him trying to exert a bit of uh, influence over the rest of us. But it used to bug the crap well, out of me.
2: If, if you look at history, Warwick, you think of Adolf Hitler. That the Nazi shake came with the palm facing towards the ground when they saluted, mm. and, and that scared people. You imagine if he had gone through doing the Nazi salute with the palm facing up. You think he was <laughs> ordering a beer. <laughs>
0: So one of the one of the challenges uh, I've seen with my clients over the years and certainly this this has been an issue for me as well is once you start to become aware of all of these things and you've run through some some fantastic tips there for our listeners is there just seems to be this huge array of things that I have to remember when I'm talking to Mrs. Smith about her plumbing or her electrical and you know I've got to shake hands the right way and I've got to not cross my body or you know do any of those sorts of things How do do people avoid getting overwhelmed with all of that stuff, Alan, and then just, you know, getting completely off track with their conversations?
2: Well, look, you're absolutely right, and it can be quite daunting for a lot of people when they first start to realize that most of the impact they're making is the way they look, appear, and behave with their body, and if you've never thought about this in the past and never considered the fact that the way you look, appear, and behave is going to make or break the deal before you've even got past that first couple of minutes, and, and that we all do it. You know, if we don't feel good with somebody in the first couple of minutes, we wipe them, uh, mentally, physically, or otherwise. And people we feel good with, we give them our money, our love, our business, and we say yes. And uh, the simple thing is practice. It's like any skill, you've got to You look for one gesture or position or movement or one skill uh, every couple of days, and you practice that for yourself. You put it in your own repertoire, and you look for other people who are doing it because other people are telling you with their body whether they're saying yes or no, whether they're likely to hold back or give you the information, tell you the truth, or lie to you. They're, they're telling you, but you need to know what to look for. But only learn one skill at a time and practice it. And after about, about three or four weeks, you'll become quite conversant. The other way to practice the skill is simply watch television and turn the sound off. With the sound off, you're compelled to watch just what's happening. And, and like deaf people, deaf people can watch a TV show or a movie and tell you exactly what's going on because they're reading the thing that's giving the most information, body language. Or watch uh, multicultural television like SBS in Australia where you don't understand what they're saying because it's in a foreign language. But if you watch it and focus, you can work out what's going on between people because they're using the same body language signals that you do. So it's a matter of practice, practice, practice because once you get it right, people feel comfortable with you if they like you. If people like you, they'll give you their business. That's the way it works.
1: And this all goes in with our message as well about that appearance as, you know, we're often talking about the show, the simple things of having a clean shirt to put on when you go to do your quotes and turning up on time. And it all comes to that message of just how important first impressions can make when you're visiting clients.
2: Well, first impressions is, is really make it or break it. And uh, I, I did a seminar last week for the medical profession specialist. And uh, a lot of these guys are experts, world experts in surgery and in their technique. But the bottom line with a medical person, if when they walk through the door, if you don't like the way they look, the way they dress and the way they behave, you're very nervous about getting them cutting a hole and you're doing some sort of procedure on you. It's the same with, with the legal system. If a lawyer is going to defend you in court and that lawyer turns up at their first interview and they're wearing a pair of Bermuda shorts, thongs, one earring, has two tattoos, dark glasses and a five-day shadow, would you want them to represent you in court? Now the answer is no, I did not want person to represent me in court. Now, we could convince you, Michaela, that this this lawyer has got a good track record and knows what they're talking about. They know the case and they've had a good score rate. The bottom line is you don't want them to defend you because they don't look right. We expect people to look a certain way. So, so how should you then in small business, uh, in, in the trades, how should you look is the question. Well, the answer to that is pretty straightforward. What does the person you want to convince or persuade think you'd look like when you turned up? If clearly you're an expert who knows what they're doing, knows what they're talking about, and we should say yes to what would you look like? How would you be dressed? What clothing would you be wearing? And so what you do is you dress to match their expectation of what, what you should look like. But you don't want to get up and dress just to suit yourself that day because you can really blow it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, women are aware of this. On a social level, if, you've got to, if you ask a woman to come to three functions a breakfast function with a lot of interesting people, could be prospects, a lunch function with the mayor there, and a black tie dinner, she'll turn up with three different outfits one to match the impression that she wants to make with each of those groups. Whereas a guy will turn up wearing the same old suit and tie if he's got one, same color, it doesn't change it. So you've got to pitch your appearance to match the expectations of professionalism that your clients think you'd have, and, and that'll change from from business to business, industry to industry. But if you look around those who are the, centers, the professionals in whatever your business is in, you'll see that there is a uniform, the way the way the professionals are perceived by the buyers and that's the way to match it.
0: So, Alan, I know uh, we were chatting to you before we hit record in today's interview and you've actually got some tradespeople uh, doing some work around the house there, mate. Uh, can you give us a bit of a scorecard on how those, those uh, particular trades rate and maybe... Uh, I mean, you no doubt selected them based on their body language, mate, but uh, <laughs> how did they go?
2: Well, well, yeah, that's a good one. I'm, I'm doing a full renovation here where we are. We've got, got the whole spectrum of trades, guys. At the moment, I've got the builder, I've got painters, I've got the electrician, uh, I've, got, I've got a guy cutting my lawns out here. I've got a full spectrum. Well, let's have a look at them from the top. The guy is the builder, Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a bushy. He turns up covered in paint. Covered, he Clearly, he says, I am hands-on in this business. That's what he says on appearance. And uh, when I first met him, I was a bit worried that he really knew how to organise anything because he was covered in paint and chips and this guy was living it. Uh, But I thought, well, well, I wanted him to have a go because clearly all the stuff he said he could do, he looked like he was hands-on. Now, the electrician that I've got is a different kettle of fish. He is the highest-paid guy of all his tradesmen. In fact, he's getting double what the builders are getting. And uh, he turned up in in a... a really nice truck with organized riding on the side he drew a schedule of what he would do and how long he would do it for in other words he proved why charging double the rate was actually going to be cheaper in the long run for us this guy was disciplined organized so I, I hired him over the other sparkies because i thought i'd give him a go if he can prove what he's saying is true then he can get the job and he proved it he was fast efficient dynamic and backed up the appearance that he made so therefore we're paying him nearly double what the, what the cheaper guys were charging and importantly, with both him and Kevin, they're both really good guys. I like these guys. I would find it difficult to fire these guys, you know. I really would. And so, therefore, what they're charging me is not the first priority. The fact is they're my mates. I get on with them well and I trust them. And they build trust by projecting that image.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, hopefully, the other trades aren't listening to this episode when they're on the job site. <laughs> they might want to raise their prices. But uh, it's just so interesting that that – that perception of being organised and having a plan and spending extra time explaining to you the value that electric electrician can give you rather than, oh, this is just, you know, my hourly rate and it's as long as it takes, mate, you know, that's what it's going to be. So it just shows how critical it is that you need to show value in what you're offering your services.
2: Well, it's interesting you made that point because the difference between the builder is covered in paint and covered in dust and and the uh, the guy's electrician. The electrician is get, getting paid double on an hourly rate. Uh, but I have absolute confidence that he can do the job and it'll be cheaper in the long because he's three times as fast, he is more efficient, he knows what he's doing, he's organized and disciplined. So he is what I would call a professional business person first, but he's an electrician second. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, yep. that's what we're all about here, Alan.
2: He is disciplined and running an organized business. He is always spotlessly clean when he turns up. Now, the builder, I love this guy to bits. But on first impressions, I was really sceptical about whether he could do it because he looked disorganised and I got to know him over a period of time. The electrician, I liked him first up because he looked like it. I gave him a chance to prove it and he proved it and he's been working there with us for over a year doing our projects.
0: It's such a great example because, uh, and I don't know if, if Kevin the builder was aware of the signals he was sending uh, when he first met you, but so many guys just, they don't realise that, their customers or p- potential customers are off, you know, creating these big stories in their mind just simply based on the fact that there's some silicon on your shirt if you're a plumber. Uh, and so it's it's just being mindful of what message are you sending. And for Kevin, that's worked well for him. Uh, you know, if that's part of his brand and he can actually tap into that and, and use the whole, you know, I'm on the tools, I'll be right there on the project, you know, people will buy that because they'll buy – that part of him so it really does come back to that awareness thing doesn't
2: it well well, it does and I think where a significant difference is and you pointed it out right there Warwick is that with Kevin's in his 60s and he's been doing this all his life he's got a big clientele who all love him and he can pick and choose he's in that fortunate position the electrician's a 27 year old bloke and he's building a business so the difference that this highlights is that a guy building a business is, has to be disciplined organized know his skills be able to convince, self-persuade, and get people to like him quickly because he's selling himself. He's doing a, gr- a great job. Where Kevin, if he cheeses someone off, it doesn't bother him because he's got a ton of other clients who, who are booking him up. He's got he's got less time than he, than he would like. He'd like more time to do free things. But the guy building the business, and he's Dave, he's doing it really quickly. He's an organ. and that stands out. He is an organized, disciplined businessman. He's building a business first. He just happens to be an electrician.
0: Yeah, that's right. So... Alan, I've got uh, something that I'm hoping you can settle this one for me. I've had clients and, and just people in business over the years try and tell me that um, their state of mind and how they're feeling has no impact on their sales or, you know, their ability to actually get people to buy from them because they can go out and just be whatever they need to be. They'll say all the right words and do all the right things and nobody will know that they're having, you know, the worst week of their life. Uh my my take on that is, look, we we don't realise the the body language stuff that we put out to people, and people are very perspe- perceptive, so they pick up on those things. What's your take on that, mate?
2: Well, well, you're right, and and there is a difference between how men and women perceive these things. As I said earlier, sixty to eighty percent—that is most of the impact you're making face to face—is done through body language. Now, whether the other guy or the woman reads it, it's a different question. And uh, when it comes to reading body language face-to-face, women are two to three times better at reading emotional condition and making sense out of it than men. And when it comes to catching lies, women are three to four times better than men. And the reason behind that is interesting. It's got to do with having babies. that human babies can't talk for the first two years. They can't do anything. They just lay there and vomit and crap the whole time. Uh,
0: <laughs> Some we will continue that later in life, mate.
2: We we give birth as humans, we give birth to useless babies. They can't do anything, whereas most animals, at least like horses and cows, when a baby baby is born, it can run with the back pretty much instantly. And a chimpanzee can survive if abandoned after six weeks of age in the forest. For for human beings, it's six years before we can survive on our own in a jungle. And so as a result of that, um, it makes sense because we give birth to useless babies as it was, that mothers the females need to have their brains hardwired to look at babies that cannot communicate and speak and determine from its body language is it hungry, frightened, tired, injured and in pain. And brain scans show where these parts of female brains operate. And women also, their history has been protecting babies from any potential threats or strangers. So if in ancestral times there's a stranger approaching where a woman's got babies, she needs to work out in the distance where this guy is from his body language, will he be friendly or will he be a threat? Because if she couldn't do that... That's the end of her DNA line. It's going to finish. And as a result of that, today's women have inherited the same hard worrying so they can look at you. Michaela can look at you, Warwick, if she knows you well. She'll know whether you're telling the truth, having a bad time, having a tough day, whether you're with or against it. And that's why we teach men women, don't lie to women to their face. Rig them up. She can see you dead in the water and most men understand that experience. Send an SMS.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I text my wife all the time, mate.
2: One other thing about, about traders, and that's a good point. I'm not, nobody's ever really brought that point up. You've got a good one there, is that if, if you're having a tough week, you know, for whatever reason, and you're feeling uptight about, upset about something, uh, women clients are going to pick that up. They all know something's not right. Most guys are likely to miss it. They won't know that you're having a tough time with your girlfriend, your wife, or your business, or one of your kids, or whatever the case may be. Don't, but a woman will pick it up. And if you reckon she's picked it up, tell her about it. You want to bond with a woman... Open up and put your heart on your sleeve and say I'm having a real tough time with my son this week. He's had this problem is school, that problem at So I really apologise if i, if I, if I if I'm a bit disconnected. You want to bond with women quickly? That'll do it. With well, a guy, well, he wouldn't have noticed it anyway. And if you didn't, he'd say what sort of bloody was you anyhow? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're suggesting that uh, us blokes actually uh, listen, you know, listen. What do you say? <laughs> but but actually open up to women, mate. See, that's that's revolutionary stuff, Alan.
2: Well, well, it is. And that's, but you think about women, the way women bond with other women is they open up, they, they open themselves up, make themselves vulnerable emotionally to another woman. That shows a form of trust to see what the other woman's going to do. If you do that as a guy too, I mean, not only in business but in terms of the love game, if you're, if you're meeting somebody, you're meeting a woman and you want to get her on side, if you open up and put your heart on your sleeve, then she's going to like you really quickly. If you hold back and give nothing, she's going to think you're just another damn husband. <laughs>
0: So, uh, Alan, one of the questions we love to ask our guests on the show is: if you had a thousand tradies in the room, and and you've given some uh, amazing tips already, but if you had a thousand tradies in a room, what's one thing you would love to impart upon them, or one piece of advice you'd love to leave them with?
1: Besides, women are usually right because of summer, so much three yeah, to four yeah, times okay. more that's,
0: perceptive. that's just opening a so, can. Thanks for opening a can of worms, Alan. By the way, <laughs> I'm
2: going to use this. I'm not lying for... women to women their face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We've had to go for one thing. Well, the bottom line is whatever trade is, you are in business, you're a business person and you just happen to be a carpenter, electrician, sparky, supplier, buyer, importer. That's secondary, that you're in business first. If you approach your business on the basis that you're a tradesperson with a particular trade such as building or electricity or carpentry, it's going to be tough because the focus is on those skills. Whereas to be successful in any business, you've got to be successful with people. You've got to get people to buy you early and buy you quick. Because if they buy you, they'll buy what goes with you. If they don't buy you, they won't want to say yes to anything you say. So the focus should be on how well can I sell myself to other people. That you are a business person first, selling yourself. You just happen to be in a trade, which is your product. Don't put your trade or product first because you're likely to trade on the people.
1: Great. And so, Alan, you did mention earlier that you've got a new book out. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: I've seen you writing new books all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I've got a new book which I'm writing, which is almost finished. It won't be out probably until about September this year. And uh, it's tentatively called Getting What You Want. And uh, it's one of the first books of its type to show what parts of the brain will deal with success and failure. And you know, there's lots of books around on success, failure, goal setting, and achieving things this will be one of the first like our past four books that show how the brain approaches this and it'll show you how to how to actually program your brain like a computer to get you to go down the tracks you want to go down and achieve what you want to achieve and it's a bit of a departure in some ways from what we've done in the past which has all been communication skills with people uh, but it's on the same line as much as we're looking at parts of the brain now that determine why you will succeed or why you won't how to change those if you're going down the wrong track.
0: Sounds like a book written for husbands, mate. <clears throat> uh, so, where can people go to find out more about you and, and, uh, and I guess, get on the wait list for your book as well, Alan?
2: Yeah, we, we've got a, a website that's got uh, there's a few freebie letters on there which keep people up to date with new information and, and videos and a lot of fun stuff there as well. And that's at www.peas, which is my name, T V, which is television. You just put in T V and the site will come up and, and there's a lot of very interesting and valuable stuff in there.
1: Yeah, great. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well uh, so people can find out more about you. So thank you so much. You've now helped me really get into Warwick's mind and, <laughs> and really know that what I'm thinking uh, is true because yeah. you know, we're much we more perceptive. we use that
2: anyway, Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> It a disadvantage to start with, Michaela. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Alex.
2: Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, that's gold, mate. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show.
2: My pleasure. I didn't touch my nose. <laughs> thanks.
0: So, again, um, fantastic interview with Alan. So many great tips in there. I hope you were taking notes. If you didn't, the beauty about a podcast is it's recorded so you can go back and listen to it again. But uh, seriously, that's all the stuff that I uh, took out of his book when I originally read it as a young sales rep and uh, it helped me no end in terms of just just making people feel comfortable and getting them to like me. I mean, it's why so many people like me today. Who, who doesn't like me? Oh, from you, Ye- Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. we, we do like you.
1: <laughs> and if you are uh, a member of the Tradies Business Toolkit, which we mentioned at the top of the show, Alan sticks around for another five minutes and talks about three things you should be doing to help women buy from you. 80% of the buying decisions are made from women and uh, he basically clears up the whole way men and women oh, work full stop in yep. just five
0: minutes. So all the women, all the tradie wives or the lady tradies are going to – jump in, pay the dollar just so they can listen to that and go, see, I told you, I was right, and yes. use it as a bat, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Cool. Well, look, if that's if that's what you get out of it for a dollar, go for it. It'll help knock it yourself every... out. There you go. For a dollar, we can we can solve every marital disagreement there is. It just makes sense. So go to tradiesbusinesstoolkit.com. And uh, one of the things I loved uh, about the interview with Alan is he talked about... Um, you know, the one thing he would share with the, the thousand tradies in a room is you're a professional business owner first and a tradesperson second, not the other way around. So part of being a professional is getting training and making sure that, you know, you've got ongoing education and your qualifications are up to speed. And the perfect way to do that is... With one of our show supporters, uh, which is face-to-face training. So these guys do everything from, you know, a certificate to in concreting... through to business uh, qualifications. You name it. Anything that uh, you want to get some training on for either yourself or your team. Uh, you know, a lot of it is government funded as well. So there's some great incentives there. Is uh, go and check out our show supporter face-to-face training. So that's uh, wwwface dot face to face, and that's T O face to face. Edu.au and um, they'll have uh, all the information there about the courses they offer and uh, some of which, as I said, can be up to 100% government funded. So go check it out. Until next time. Hooray. Bye. You've been listening to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Want to get off the tools and into true business ownership? Find out how at show.com.